You're listening to The Semi-Failed Writer. This is a show about my life experiences, my love for entertainment, and of course, my failures. Godspeed. Mark Watney, astronaut. I'm entering this log for the record, uh, in case I don't make it. Uh, it is 0653 on Sol 19, and I'm alive, obviously, but I'm guessing that's going to come as a surprise to my crewmates and to NASA and to the entire world, really, so... Surprise! Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to the show. Today, I will be talking about two recent films, both of them taking place in outer space, The Martian and Interstellar. And I'll decide which of these is the better film. I don't know if you care how I decided on this matchup, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Just a few days ago, I didn't know what my next film debate would be. I had my list of ideas, but nothing sounded particularly exciting. But one night I was cooking dinner and waiting for something to come out of the oven, so I went over to the other room and I turned on the TV. I saw that The Martian was on. It was already an hour into the movie, but I I put it on anyway. And I ended up watching the rest of the film. I wasn't expecting to, but I got invested in it almost immediately. I decided that The Martian would be worthy of a discussion, even a debate. But I had to figure out what movie to put it up against. The first film that came into mind was Interstellar. These are two very different movies, and I got two very different feelings after watching both of them, but there's some similarities between the two. They're both about survival. They both have incredible imagery of space and space exploration, and you have really likable protagonists. And they're both incredibly long movies, and with my lack of patience, it's why I didn't watch either of them sooner. The runtime for The Martian is 2 hours and 24 minutes, and Interstellar clocks in at 2 hours and 49 minutes. But they're both engaging films. I thought they were incredible, so I may have a hard time deciding which one is better. Let's find out. In the red corner, from the year 2015, directed by Ridley Scott, a movie in which one man tries to stay alive on Mars, it's The Martian. And in the blue corner, from 2014, directed by Christopher Nolan, a movie in which humanity can't survive on Earth, it's Interstellar. Seven rounds, one point after each round, the film with the most points wins. I'm going to do something a little different with the opening statements. Instead of doing a separate statement for each film, I'm going to do one that supports both films. When I was younger, I took very little interest in stories particularly movies that were set in space. Those kinds of adventures didn't seem fascinating to me, and I just felt that anything they would bring up regarding space and science would just go over my head. Well, over the years, I've come around to them, mostly in part to Eric's encouragement and him introducing me to the Mass Effect video game series. But there are still a lot of people who shy away from these stories for the same reasons I just mentioned. I think especially in the last decade, Hollywood has made an effort to develop quality movies that take place in space, and they end up being box office hits. And there are three reasons why they are successful. One, a high-profile director is attached. We watch their other films, we've enjoyed their films, so we trust their vision when they decide to tackle a story about space. Two, 
incredible actors are cast. Star power is still a thing, and people are willing to spend money to see their favorite faces on screen for two-plus hours. And three, the story is accessible. A reasonable amount of time is spent talking about technology, theory, probability, concepts we wouldn't understand unless we handle the stuff for a living. Most of us don't. But we understand people, and that's what comes first in these movies. When the story is fundamental and focuses on individuals and their relationships with each other, then it's going to keep people's interests better than just focusing on the science. Both The Martian and Interstellar check all three of these boxes. Our two esteemed directors being featured today are Ridley Scott and Christopher Nolan. Our two leading men are Matt Damon and Matthew McConaughey and are accompanied by many acclaimed actors. And both films are about making incredibly difficult decisions in order to save lives. Hopefully you have already seen both of these films. But if you know someone that hasn't and they say something like, oh, it looks boring, it looks confusing, just tell them to give them a chance. Without risk, there is no reward. Let's start with round one. Round one is story. The Martian is based on a 2011 novel by Andy Weir. It follows a crew from the Ares 3. They're in the middle of exploring a region on the planet Mars, but their mission gets cut short after a dangerous dust storm. The crew all evacuate Mars except for Mark Watney, who is presumed dead during the storm. He, however, survives, and his background as a botanist helps him to grow crops and live off of the food that is available to him. Mark is eventually able to make contact with the people at NASA, and once they find out he is alive, they put together a plan to rescue him. Of course, space is very finicky, and there are many obstacles that make the rescue mission incredibly difficult to pull off. But it is the crew from the Ares 3 that wants to make things right and goes forward with bringing Mark back to Earth. Here's what's interesting about this film. First, this is labeled as a sci-fi adventure drama, but it's also a comedy. There was a definite possibility that Mark could die in a number of horrific ways. Alone, mind you. He could starve. He could suffocate. He could implode. He could freeze. And yet throughout the entire rescue mission, he maintains a sense of humor. It keeps Mark from losing his humanity and helps him to maintain his problem-solving skills. We as the audience want to panic, but the humor calms us down. The humor gives us hope that Mark is going to get out of Mars alive. And speaking of death, one of the coolest things about this film is that nobody dies. Think of one space movie you've seen in your lifetime. Just one. The first one that comes to mind. At least one person died in that movie, right? If death is not caused by someone's backstabbing, then the elements for sure will take out somebody. But this time... Humanity scores a point against the rest of the galaxy. Humanity prevails. Interstellar is a complex story, but I'm going to try to summarize it as simply as possible. Interstellar starts on Earth, which is about to die. It's losing oxygen and crops are no longer sustainable. And if the planet dies, then all of humanity will die with it. A former astronaut turned farmer named Joseph Cooper discovers a mysterious message, which leads him to a secret NASA base. He's informed that there may be inhabitable planets in another galaxy, and Cooper's former mentor persuades him to travel with the crew to explore these planets. He leaves behind his two young children with the hope that he will come back to them and escort them and all humans to their new homeworld. I could tell you more, but it might just confuse you, but I will say that the following are things that complicate the story. 
blights, gravity, black holes, acceleration of time, rocket fuel, life support, quantum data, aliens, and liars. Having said all of this, you don't have to understand the science to understand the story. This is an incredibly engaging story because humanity is short on time and must find another place to live before they're all doomed. And you also have this complicated relationship between Cooper and his daughter Murphy. Most of the conflict in this film comes from having some of the decision makers follow logic and data, while the others follow their heart. It's best that you try not to question everything that you see, just go along for the ride and be happy that the dude from Dazed and Confused saves humanity. This round's a tough one because they're both good stories. My gut is saying to go with The Martian on this one. They're both unrealistic stories, but Interstellar seems more so, especially with Cooper landing in a fifth dimension and being able to communicate with Murphy through time. And I know The Martian has more of a Hollywood ending because everybody makes it out okay. And you have thousands of people in Times Square celebrating the rescue of an astronaut. Like, that's a thing. But I'm left enjoying the journey of rescuing one person more than the journey of saving the entire human race. Therefore, the point for story goes to The Martian. Round two. Round two is dialogue. With Interstellar, it's like you're in a completely different world and you have to spend the better part of the movie explaining everything and laying down the rules. They explain that the Earth is in poor condition and there are very few people on it, they explain the mission to find a new habitable planet, explaining why this is being kept a secret, and so on and so forth. There is some good conflict between characters, and I'll share one of my favorite exchanges. When Cooper meets with his kid's school principal and a teacher, he doesn't like the idea that his son Tom is destined to be a farmer based on one test score. Cooper asks for the principal's pant size, which requires a measurement of his waistline and inseam. Then Cooper makes his point and he asks, You're telling me it takes two numbers to measure your own ass, but only one to measure my son's future. Point taken. I also think it's funny that in that same conversation, they talk about an approved textbook that says the moon landing was a hoax. It really happened, even in this uh, universe here, it happened. But the people in charge intentionally rewrote history to prevent people from entertaining the idea of going into space. Keep their focus on protecting Earth. Something that gets featured throughout the film is a poem by Dylan Thomas. I'll recite part of it. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. I am not a fan of poetry, but this is a pretty powerful piece. And it's not abstract. I think it's pretty clear what Thomas is trying to convey here. It's about death and fighting to stay alive as long as you possibly can. And that's the message the elder Dr. Brand tries to get across to the rest of his team. He recites it a few times to Cooper, to his daughter Brand, and even to Cooper's daughter Murphy. Now, technically, dialogue means a worded exchange between two people, but there are a lot of instances of just one person talking in The Martian, so let's include monologues in this round. I just mentioned that The Martian has a sense of humor, so the best part of the dialogue are the jokes. Right off the bat, the Ares 3 crew has some fun banter with each other right before a sandstorm kicks them off the planet. And anytime there's a tense situation, someone cracks a joke, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It's not to dismiss the seriousness of the situation, but to humanize these characters. And pretty much anything Mark Watney says is gold. 
He gives these long explanations when he goes to his video diary. He's talking through his problem and has to spell out what he needs to do, like how to make water. Talking about chemistry sounds boring, but Mark is a little more colorful when he explains it. For example, he talks about having to travel to a crater that's 3,200 kilometers away. The problem is that he has two rovers that don't travel very far before they need to be recharged, and his life support is also limited. And he also needs to figure out how to make contact with NASA. So he says, just so you know, there's profanity. He says, so yes, in the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. At the same time, Mark can use fewer words and still be funny. There's a sequence where he has to create a garden in his habitat on Mars. He covers the entire area with canvas or tarp. He shovels and gathers a ton of sand and lays it down. He spends hours on this. He sits down, guzzles some juice and exhaustion, and the only thing he can say afterwards is, fuck you, Mars. So definitely the humor is what stands out in the dialogue. This one's pretty easy. The Martian is going to win for dialogue. I mean, in this film, too, there's a lot of discussion about the rescue mission, what they need to do, but there's also some room for people's personalities to shine through their words. On to round three. Round three is characters. Mark Watney in The Martian could have been depicted one of two ways. One way was to show him succumbing to his dire situation. He's alone on a strange planet. He's limited on food. He has to listen to disco music. It would make any normal person go crazy. That's what I was expecting to happen to Mark before I watched this movie. But the other way is what we see here. Mark remembers he's an astronaut. Astronauts make great sacrifices, but they can also be survivors. They can be resourceful and optimistic. And it's more entertaining to see Mark want to stay alive. Everybody else fits into the role very well, you have Commander Lewis, who carries a lot of responsibility on her shoulders. The director of NASA, Teddy Sanders, he kind of seems like a jerk, but that's his job. He has to make difficult decisions in order to keep NASA viable. Other than Mark, the only other eccentric character in this movie is Rich Purnell, an astrophysicist. He fits that genius stereotype where he is clearly the smartest person in the room, and yet the rest of his life is in disarray. He sleeps on a couch in his cluttered office and drinks cold coffee as he figures out a way to get to Watney faster. And for what he did, he needed to get way more credit from NASA at the end of the film. I wouldn't say there are antagonists in Interstellar, although Dr. Brand and Dr. Mann are pretty cruel. I would say in this movie there are two types of people. You have those that are driven by saving humanity by any means possible. And there are those who are driven by saving the people they love. Dr. Mann explains it best in the movie, but I'll try to say it as best as I can in my own way. There's the elder Dr. Brand, who knows that everyone living on Earth is screwed, but he manipulates Cooper into thinking they can be saved in order to convince him to join the mission. It's really devastating to find out that he lied, but in Dr. Brand's eyes, he believes he had to do this to save humanity. You think Dr. Mann is in this first group of people? but it turns out he's incredibly selfish. He falsifies data so that Cooper's crew can come rescue him. Once they do, he kills Romilly, tries to kill Cooper, and tries to hijack their ship to get to the other habitable planet. 
He cares more about his survival than anyone else's. Cooper is guided by the love of his children, and the younger Dr. Brand by her love for Dr. Edmund. She tries to make an argument to travel to one planet over another, and deep down part of her reasoning to go there is that she wants to reunite with the person that has already landed there on the planet. We can acknowledge that Cooper is the main character in this movie, but his daughter Murphy is the most important person to this mission. She is incredibly smart, even at a young age, and she is the one who eventually figures out how to get people out of Earth. Her relationship with her father is very complex. She's wildly upset when he leaves her, and it takes decades to reconcile that relationship. But the way it gets reconciled is very touching. And let me give a quick shout out to Tars and Case. They're the two robots that go on this mission with Cooper. And when they speak, they have just as much personality as the humans. And the way they were designed was so cool. I just wanted to acknowledge our future overlords because artificial intelligence is really going to be the threat to our existence. Anyway, I would say that the characters in Interstellar are more dynamic than those in The Martian. In The Martian, there are really only a few lives at stake, and if you want to stretch it, a whole government agency that's really affected by Mark Watney's situation. Everybody in Interstellar is in a catastrophic situation, and when something like that happens, you really get to see people's true colors. When you're talking about survival, people can do unspeakable things. So, Interstellar gets its first point. Round four. Round four is cast and crew. Interesting fact, Matt Damon and Jessica Chastain are in both of these movies. So let's just focus on everyone else. Here's a list of actors from Interstellar. Along with Matthew McConaughey, you have Anne Hathaway, Michael Caine, John Lithgow, Ellen Burstyn, David Oyelowo, Topher Grace, Casey Affleck, Timothy Chalamet, and Mackenzie Foy, who is great in this movie. They're all great. Nobody, nobody seemed out of place. Christopher Nolan is an incredible director. He's had these ambitious, mind-bending movies, but there's something else about him that I think is important. You have someone like Alfred Hitchcock, who is universally considered to be the master of suspense. I would argue that Christopher Nolan should be considered the master of tension. Within the past decade, he came out with Inception, Interstellar, and Dunkirk. I haven't seen Tenet yet, so I can't speak to that movie. But in the other movies I just mentioned, you're on the edge nearly the entire time. In each movie, there's one plan. It's a nearly impossible plan, so the execution of it has to go perfectly. So you're spending two hours watching this plan play out. You get nervous when there's one complication after another. People are losing their lives. Others aren't focusing on the right thing. And you can't relax until the very end because that's when you know everything's going to be all right. You know what happened to me after I watched Interstellar? I was stressed for hours. It took hours for me to decompress. It took hours for the chest pains to go away because that's how intense that movie was. No one can stress you out better than Christopher Nolan can. I'm going to list most of the actors that were featured in The Martian, and I guarantee you will recognize almost all of these names. Michael Pena, Kate Mara, Sebastian Stan, Axel Henney, Kristen Wiig, Jeff Daniels, 
Chiwetel Ejiofor, Sean Bean, Donald Glover, Benedict Wong, and Mackenzie Davis. I will make one confession here. I had never heard of Sebastian Stan before watching this movie. I should, because he plays Bucky Barnes slash Winter Soldier in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I haven't watched most of these movies, aside from uh, the Iron Man series. I'll get around to them someday. But let's talk about Ridley Scott. He's an acclaimed film director who has been inducted into the Science Fiction Hall of Fame. Yes, there is a Hall of Fame. It's based in the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle. I've been there. It's pretty cool. He's in the Hall of Fame because he's been an influential figure in science fiction cinema, as he has directed Alien, Blade Runner, and Prometheus. And from what I've read, actors like to work with Scott. He's a collaborative director and gets their input during production. So not only does he have these great visual concepts for these films, but he also brings out the best in his actors. He's not particularly one-sided in his movie making. Great cast in both movies, great directors for both movies, but there is one clear factor that differentiates the two and makes one group better than the other. Diversity. Interstellar has two people of color in the entire film. One of them gets killed off. Maybe the whitewashing of the cast was on purpose. Maybe Christopher Nolan recognizes that in any disaster or pandemic, the people who get hit the worst are those who live in underprivileged communities, where most of the population happens to be made up of minorities. So maybe in this situation, most of the people of color have died off because that's the way the world works. It's either that, or Christopher Nolan is not good at casting minorities. To his credit, he did do a little better with diversifying in Tenet. With The Martian, you have a female commander of a space crew, a Mexican astronaut, a black astrophysicist, a black director of Mars missions, and an Asian director of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. That's what I like to see. The point goes to the Martian. Round five. Round five is music. The score for The Martian was created by Harry Gregson Williams, and no offense to Mr. Williams, but his music was secondary to the pop hits that were featured in the film. You have a couple of songs that relate to the situation itself, like David Bowie's Starman and Love Trained by the OJs. The rest of it is disco. There's a running joke that Commander Lewis has bad taste in music because she loves disco, and yet that's the main part of the soundtrack. The disco songs that were featured here were Turn the Beat Around, Hot Stuff, Rock the Boat, Don't Leave Me This Way, Waterloo, and I Will Survive. The score for Interstellar was created by Hans Zimmer. He's worked with Ridley Scott multiple times, but he's also collaborated with Christopher Nolan. He provided the music for the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, and Dunkirk. For this movie, the main instrument featured was a pipe organ, and it really created a mood. That tension that I talked about earlier was definitely heightened by Hans Zimmer's score. And when he started to work on this, he didn't even know what the movie was about. He didn't even know the genre. In the beginning, all that he was given was a piece of paper that told a story about a father leaving his son to go to work. And he was asked to create some music based off of it. That was it. I think he learned more about the story later, but to be able to take that one page and translate it into a score for a sci-fi movie about humanity's survival 
is ridiculous. I'm going to take Hans Zimmer over Disco. This was an incredible score. I can't believe it lost to the Grand Budapest Hotel at the Academy Awards. Moving on to round six. Round six is production. Both films hired consultants, people who had years and years of experience in physics and engineering and other areas of science. And of course, the purpose to have them there was to make sure that their films were as accurate as possible. A theoretical physicist named Kip Thorne was an executive producer and a consultant for Interstellar. He was hired to make sure much of the science of the film seemed plausible. Most of Interstellar was filmed in Los Angeles, but they also did filming in Canada and Iceland. For the dust town that Cooper and his family lived in, that all took place in Alberta. And they could have used all CGI for the, the dust storms, the blight, but they used large fans to blow synthetic dust into the air. Iceland was used to depict two of the planets that Cooper and his team explore. One of the planets was entirely made up of water, and the other was entirely made of ice. A lot of the crew at these international locations were locals, so they created jobs. Nice. A lot of the production design was inspired by spacecraft that actually exists. The Ranger, which travels to and from each planet, was inspired by the space shuttle. The Endurance, the mothership, was modeled after the International Space Station. I can't tell you how they created the robot Tarzan case because it's so complicated, but the way they looked was pretty cool. There's also a company called Double Negative that created all of the visual effects. 850 visual effects shots, surprisingly not more than The Dark Knight Rises or Inception. The way they shot all of their scenes in space was to make miniature versions of the spacecraft. Not that small, not like Hot Wheels, just smaller in scale. They ended up being between 15 to 25 feet long. But shrinking the prop pieces made it possible to do some crazy sequences. Do you remember when the Endurance was spinning in circles? And in order for the Ranger to dock, it had to spin just as fast to match up with it? I think my stress levels were the highest while watching that scene. Most of the Martian was shot in Hungary. They have one of the largest sound stages in the world, so it provided enough space to create Mark's habitat on Mars, the orbiting vessel, the Hermes, and all of the interior locations of NASA and JPL. The exterior scenes on Mars were filmed in Wadi Rum in Jordan. I also read that NASA was very involved in the making of this film. NASA was more than happy to consult on this film because they saw this as promotional material. This movie could garner more interest in space exploration. Nothing wrong with that. I'm going to give Interstellar the point for production. It was really cool that NASA got involved with The Martian, but I feel that the production for Interstellar was much larger in scale. There were a lot more set pieces that had to be created. Multiple planets, multiple spacecraft, multiple dimensions. Yeah, I know. Point to Interstellar. We are tied as we're leading up to our final round, round seven. And that is dealing with legacy. This one was very tough to figure out. These movies aren't very old, so it's hard to tell which one is going to be better remembered. I think I know how to base my answer, but what I'll do first is look at their success, both at the box office and at awards ceremonies, and I'll see what the science community had to say about both of these films. 
The Martian grossed $630 million worldwide and was the 10th highest grossing film in 2015. Interstellar grossed $677 million and was the 10th highest grossing film in 2014. Pretty similar numbers there. As I record this, The Martian has a freshness rating of 91%, while Interstellar has only 72%, according to Rotten Tomatoes. The Martian was nominated for 141 awards and won only 25. The most prestigious awards they received were at the Golden Globes. Matt Damon won Best Actor for a Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, and the film won Best Picture, Musical or Comedy. Interstellar was only nominated for 58 awards but won 22. The best award they received was an Oscar for Best Visual Effects. Both films were criticized for some of the liberties they had taken. They didn't take too many. An example of that would be the dirt. The dust storms in Interstellar would not be able to deplete the Earth's oxygen so quickly, and dust storms on Mars do not rise to dangerous speeds like they do in the Martian. But for the most part, physicists and science directors, the whole community appreciated how accurate both of these movies were. But here's how I'll base my decision. Our world is moving into a new direction. We're putting a lot more attention on STEM education because that's where the jobs will be in the future. That's what's going to be necessary to remain prosperous. And maybe we're going to need to expand space exploration. If we can't find the answers on Earth, then maybe we'll find them out there. But people have to be interested in these fields. But how do we do that? Movies. Going to Mars seems like a real possibility, and The Martian does a great job of showing that possibility and showcasing all the people who can make that happen. If a younger person sees an African-American scientist, if they see a female or a Latin American astronaut, if they see a botanist with a huge personality, then they think, that could be me. That could be me one day doing those things. They might be encouraged to look into a career in science. It's possible that we put our planet into critical danger, like an interstellar, but the movie still seems detached from reality. And the salvation of the human race rests in the hands of a few people, a few very intelligent people. The rest of us don't have any control over that. Although this movie is so innovative and emotional, I think what's more important right now is making science cool. Honestly. So the point for Legacy is going to go to The Martian. The Martian wins with the score of 4-3. to three. I almost felt bad for giving The Martian the win, because it is a little Hollywood, a little lighthearted, not as serious. And also with Interstellar, it's a more artistic film. It's way ambitious, and I felt like that would give it a little bit more credit. But... I am really happy with picking The Martian for this. I mean, they're both good films. And again, if anybody hasn't seen them, please do. I will give you a warning. You're going to be stressed the hell out if you watch Interstellar. Other than that, have fun with it. You can reach me at semifieldwriter at gmail.com. My website is semifieldwriter.com. My Instagram and Twitch handles are at semifieldwriter. Thank you very much for listening. I hope all of you are staying safe and healthy. I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye.